Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Hallelujah. He has made my walk a lot easier. Because while he was preaching, I was turning around and showing all the people around me the scriptures I planned to preach. Jeremiah 4 was supposed to be the central subject of the understanding. Jeremiah 4 was a picture of how God first lost his tents. How that there were beings on the earth before you came. What you refer to as fallen angels or a third of the rank of God's celestial beings used to live on the earth under the command of Lucifer. They had a body like you did or like you do. They lived here. And God lost his habitation. And the story in Jeremiah chapter 4 is very interesting. Because that's where you understand what happened in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. When the Bible says, And the earth was without form, and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. I intended this morning to show you the journey. Ooh. I intended this morning to show you the journey out of Jeremiah chapter 1. I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter 4. To show you how that those places were lost. And that was exactly what happened to Adam. Do you realize that in Genesis chapter 3, the first thing God said to Adam is, where are you? That means even though he existed, he did not exist in the realm of God anymore. That's how they lost it. They lost it just the way Adam lost it. It's disobedience. All of God's tents were wasted. That's what Jeremiah said. There was not one left. And then God breathed in Jeremiah chapter 4 and said, yet will I not make a full end? That means I will begin again. Please follow the story. Now I figured that just like in Habakkuk chapter 2 where he spoke, you know, he said, Habakkuk said, I'll stand upon my watch and I'll watch to see. And I heard it powerfully this morning that he was actually speaking about standing in his imagination because that's where God creates. God creates everything from within him. Then the manifestation, he took the time to, to tell you all of this. So let me save you the story. That's the difference between Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. God finished everything in himself. It was what Abraham saw that was what qualified Abraham for the promise. That's actually why Romans 4 verse 4 told you that he saw the God who quickens the dead and calls the things that be not as though they were. He saw the existence of it in God even though it wasn't yet manifest. The moment a man understands that, then he understands thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. At that point, God says to him, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Because everything God builds, he builds from within him. Recently, I've been going around and saying to people, it's not going to be tough. I mean, the end of all things will not be tough. The raising of the stature of the fullness of Christ will not be tough. Back in the day when we started studying, we thought that it was going to be very tough. Recently, I was studying. Two scriptures changed my mind. In Luke chapter 12, I heard him say, Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Ah, that means in the day when he will give them the kingdom, what he will find is a little flock. Revelation chapter 3, he said to the church in Philadelphia, he said... This thing says the one who holds the key of David, who opens and no man shuts and shuts and no man opens. He said, I've set before you an open door. That means I've released unto you the operation called the key of David. He said, because you were of a little strength, but you did not deny my name. You kept my word. That means the people who will enter into that stature will not look great before they enter. They will look like a little flock. But they're everyday pressing. They're everyday watching. 
will make all the difference. So follow me. So I figured that it's easy to read a scripture and not read the story of that scripture. Because the story of that scripture in Habakkuk chapter 2, listen to this. This is what Habakkuk saw upon his watch. Because when God responded to him, he said, write the vision, make it plain upon tables. He said, that he may run that reads it. Then he said, because the vision is for an appointed time. What, what, does, it do? what, what does that tell you? Does that not tell you that everything that was happening was happening in his imagination? Because that's where the visions were born. And God was selling Habakkuk that what you are watching for is an appointed time vision. And guess all we did with that scripture? We took it and we learned the principles of management out of it. So part of your principles of management is write a vision, make it clear so that anybody who reads it. Then we left the vision that was told to be written. And the ultimate point of that vision, Pastor Eva, is what you quoted on Friday, that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, Habakkuk 2.14. And how will it happen? It will happen by the last verse of Habakkuk chapter 2, that the Lord will encapsulate a man. The Lord is in his holy temple. Then by the man, he will silence the whole earth. That's how he will do it. So many times, we read a scripture, and then, we use it within our context and never explore the scripture enough to see what exactly we're speaking about. So, in mending the desolation called Nigeria, I closed, listen, I have a few minutes and then I was asked to do activations this morning. Something will come alive inside of you. <laughs> Something is about to wake up inside you. You will close this service knowing that if the earth will change, it will change by my hand. That's why I sang that song. Guide me by your light to mend the desolate until this fruitful field becomes a forest. Lord, my hands are yours, so use them for your glory. Oh, what joy to see your kingdom come. Listen, it will happen by your hands. So get set. Where you need to pray, pray. Because certain things, certain divine things you will have to intercept in the spirit this morning. You will have to intercept them. So hear this. I established with you that the con God's context of desolation or God's context of toho and boho, I mean, without form and void, is not the absence of existence. It's the absence of existence in a form that God can relate with. So the earth was without form and void, did not mean the earth was empty. It's not me that said it now. Okay, don't look at me like that. Where were you when Prophet was saying it? So I'm just sitting upon the protocol of the madness he started to just be mad. Normally, when I preach, I try to be considerate. He was not, so I don't see the reason why I should be considerate with you. On a normal day. Let's, let's just all be mad today. Let's be. Please follow. I said that as a joke. There's no madness in it. That's truly supposed to be our realm of operation. See, sometimes you enter a service and you don't even know what to catch. Did you see the way he was reading out scriptures? Do you think that one came by, by reading? Did it come by reading? There's no way. Somebody must be holding that thing he's reading in front of him. There's no way. There's a breath of God that rises from within you. 
I stood up one day. I was going scripture after scripture for about an hour. Scripture after scripture. Teaching. I didn't explain anything. I just went scripture, 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 like that, like a reel. And, and many times when it comes upon you, you don't miss a word. When you see those kind of things, those are the kind of things you say, Lord, I want. I want. I want. It's not by power. There's nothing in this kingdom that's operated by might. Everything in this kingdom is operated by the Spirit. Hi. So hear this. So God's context of desolation is not the absence of existence. Ah. God's context of desolation is the absence of existence within God's context of relationship. So everything that enters into disobedience is recorded in scripture as a desolation. Are you following me? And the thing might be looking beautiful on the outside, but as far as God is concerned, it is desolate. That's the reason why, listen, you will, you will see in a moment, I want to sit on Isaiah, in Jeremiah 3, since you have done Jeremiah 4. All right? So you find Jeremiah chapter 3, that God starts with Jeremiah. Give us Jeremiah 3 on the board. I'm saying to you, God's context of desolation is not the absence of existence. Everything that exists outside of God is desolate. And the call of the church is to bring back to obedience everything that entered that disobedience. That means our central calling is to bring out fruitful fields from wildernesses. Oh. Moreover, the word of the Lord came again to Jeremiah a second time. While he was shut up in the court of the prison saying, okay, let's leave that verse. Thus said the Lord, who made it, who formed it to establish it? The Lord is his name. Stop. You see, sometimes what you miss in scripture is the specifics. The specific of scripture in Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 2 told you that everything God made and formed, he did to establish. But within this context, he was speaking about a specific it. Are you alive? So Jeremiah was bound in prison and the word of the Lord came to him a second time. And this time he said, thus said the Lord. Now, in every scripture, now, when I teach, one of the things I try to do is I try to give you the rules for scriptural interpretation. So that beyond the thing that is presently thought, you can find something to apply to your personal study. Are we alive? So listen to this. In this rule of interpretation, listen, one of the things you want to do when you read scripture is to understand how scripture speaks. One of the things is every time God introduces himself, he introduces himself within the context of what he came to solve or what he came to declare. I'll give you an example. Revelations 3 and 4 is full of that. Seven times the Lord describes himself as something then speaks to a particular church. In Revelation chapter 1, they saw a full picture of who he is. So every description God used in Revelation chapter 2 was already replete in Revelation chapter 1. If you got that, say an amen. amen. So the one with hair, white as wool, eyes like fire, feet like brass. You heard him describe it earlier, right? Uh -huh. Who walks upon the coals of the fire of heaven? They saw everything. Who was holding the key of David and all of that. And when God came to speak to the seven churches afterward, immediately after, in Revelation chapter 2, in each of the churches, he introduced himself differently. This thing says the one. Are you following me? Who sits? Whose feet is like burnished brass? 
Now, if you check the context of the church that he was speaking to, what they needed was according to the revelation of his introduction. Oh, you? I'll try it again. So when you read scripture, I see, thus said the one who formed the heavens and the earth. It means the answer to what he's about to address is in his ability to form the heavens and the earth. So he speaks from the context of what he wants to fix. It's a law you can use all over scripture, you'll be accurate. All right? So thus said the Lord, who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call upon me. Next verse. Three, 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 three. Call to me and I will answer you. And I will show you what? Great and mighty things which you do not know. Stop. He must be speaking within the context of something you were not present at when he did. <laughs> Let me go back up. I'm sorry. I like to preach in the crowd. This is Pimo's church. I need to behave myself. Pimo. Pimo, let me pretend that I'm reading from my notes. So that. Are you still here? That means the context within which he's about to speak is a context that you are not physically present for. Right? So call upon me and I'll answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Take me by the hand. Show me great and mighty things. Take me by the hand. Show me who you are. Take me by the hand. Show me great and mighty things. I want to see you, see you, only you. Take me by the hand. Show me great and mighty things. Take me by the hand. Show me who you are. Take me by the hand. Show me great and mighty things. I want to see you, see you, only you. Look at it. Call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Verse 4. Thus said the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the houses of this city and the houses of the kings of Judah, which have been pulled down to fortify against the siege mounds and the sword. Verse 5. Go on. They come to fight with the Chaldeans, but only to fill their places with the dead bodies of men whom I will slay in my anger and my fury. For all those wickedness, I have hidden my face from this city. Go on. Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. Go on. And I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return and will rebuild those places as at the first. Now stop. So Jeremiah was speaking now like he was speaking about the end of the captivity that he had prophesied for which they tied him. Now, if you know Jeremiah the prophet, you will know that the main sale of Jeremiah's prophecy was the captivity of Israel into Babylon and why God will hand over his nation. And how that God was going to pick a few young men who will understand that Babylon did not capture Israel. God gave Israel over. 
Listen, one of the challenges that the young men in Babylon had, hear this very carefully, because you will need it. I'm conscious that I'm speaking about replenishing Nigeria. One of the challenges that the young men had in Babylon was that they watched this sacred, great temple of God being desecrated. A temple that they were made to believe that if the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies on Wadili, they pull him out dead. They watched a Babylonian king tread every level of the temple and bring out every vessel and walk away. Now, within context, hear this, what a natural human being thinks is that the Babylonian king has subdued the God of Israel. But you see, the God of Israel always has a way of leaving a sign behind that I was not conquered. For instance, in the book of Samuel, when Ichabod happened, in the days when the priesthood failed, I told you something on Friday. Let me add my voice to the voice of Pastor Moses. Let me tell you the truth. Whatever you are doing this weekend that you did not show up, was useless. True. <laughs> useless. We pursue the things that will not make for our eternal. Listen, it's not every program you should go for. But there are some people that when you hear they are coming around, suspend some things. It shows that you honor the things that are divine. And that's how to enter an inheritance. See, because we're a knowledge-filled generation, everybody believes they know. Let's go on. That was my polite way of saying it. Pimo knows that if I was in my church, this is not how I would say it. Like right now, I was absolutely, extremely polite. It's extremely, believe me. You said when we call on you, you will answer. And you'll show us great and mighty things. We want to see you. So look at this. Look at this carefully. Because I have to show you how to subdue a nation. And be watching, it will come to pass. So the challenge of young boys who were carried by the rivers of Babylon was that like it was in the book of Samuel, Israel watched the temple start by being desecrated by a wrong priesthood. Every time, every time a nation is toting down, the, go and check. The priesthood became selfish. When the priesthood becomes selfish, the nation will lose the right to get godly governance and then a nation will be treaded under every time. Every time. Every time. So the priesthood became selfish. Hear this carefully. And then Israel watched a strange king. Listen, they did not only desecrate the temple in the days of Samuel, uh, sorry, in the days of Eli, they carried the ark of God and took it away. And as a mark of their conquest, they kept it in the temple of Dagon. Now you see, your problem is that you are reading that story like an open story. Don't think that Philistine came out the next day and announced Dagon is falling. It was totally silent. So if you were in Israel, all that was going on in your mind is that Jehovah has been conquered. But before those who Jehovah is conquered, he makes it a point of duty to prove that you did not conquer me. 
I am alive. This matter has, listen, you are just collateral damage. You that feels like victory. You are collateral damage. It's a matter I need to settle with my children. And so, because I'm angry with my children, I took a leave. And I decided to take a leave in your land. So I gave you strength over my children. And I'm waiting in your land for my children to realize. And God will never stay in a captive land and stay captive. He will leave a sign. So he slapped the head of Nebuchadnezzar, sent him inside the bush to eat grass. Seven years. And he preserved the throne of Nebuchadnezzar while Nebuchadnezzar was eating grass. That's the real miracle in that story. The idea was that he wanted to prove to Nebuchadnezzar, you have no cheer. Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar, thou, O king, art a king of kings. It's a title of God. God was simply saying to him, I own this throne. Some of you think Nigeria is lost. There's a God sitting upon the throne. The fear of him is in your palaces. Ask them. They don't come out to tell you. The fear of Jehovah is in your palaces. He never is subdued and he keeps quiet. No. So Israel was feeling like God had been captured by Dagon. But the Philistines were struggling every day with fixing the last broken part. Oh, you didn't get it. The dread of our God is still in this nation. I said the dread of our God is still in this nation. They are still working hard night and day to see if they can rise up against his influence. The fight in Nigeria is not against God and Islam. It's, it's a quarrel he wants to settle with his children. If you know me, you know I carry a calling for this nation. Support me like a badge. I will watch Nigeria redeemed. I will watch it. I'm too sure of it. I was born for it. That's a problem every time. So if you go to the camp of Israel, the feeling is defeat. Hear this. Hear this. But when the psalmist captured, and he said, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and wept. When we remembered Zion, he said, the wicked demanded of us a song. Hear this. The song of the Lord, within the context that the psalmist spoke in Psalm 134, listen to this, was actually the knowledge that the working of the intelligence of the God of Israel, seated in a man, makes him better in capacity than the average man. And this nation is still in that place where the anointed is carrying a song. I know a government, whether in the flesh or in the spirit, I know not. It is preserved by the thoughts that come out of one righteous man who is not giving credit for his righteousness because we don't know the wisdom of negotiation. Sila. 
it is known in the palaces of your kings that the song of the Lord still resident in Zion is the beauty that sustains the nation it is known in the palaces of your kings it's only you that sits in Lagos and feels like the church has finished we're done like there's no hope for the church in this nation in the palaces of the kings the story is different they are still conspiring how do we subdue because they know that the God is still seated in the midst of his people <laughs> so hear this that was the problem so Jeremiah begins to speak like the days of the captivity were over and this is what God has sworn he will do can you see verse 7 and I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return and will rebuild those palaces or those places as at the first now but the story like I told you had to do with the courage of a few of those boys who knew that the reason why they were brought to the rivers of Babylon which was not a physical water you just heard about rivers the reason why they were brought to the rivers of Babylon was to heal it and that the only instrumentality by which they can heal the rivers of Babylon was the song of the Lord and so they decided we will sing the song of the Lord, but we will sing the song of the Lord with Jerusalem as the full picture in our minds. We need to read that scripture. Psalm 137. Psalm 137. Go there. Are you there? Psalms 137. Good. From verse 1. Psalms 127, let me, let me defend on you guys. But the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Are you? We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. Look at this carefully. For there, those who carried us away captive asked us of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And if you look at this in physical, you think they're asking them to play music so that they can dance. No, what they meant is that there was something that established the kingship or the rulership of God in Zion. And that what established the rulership of God in Zion was the songs of Zion. Listen, the, the anthems of Zion, the chronicles of the workings of God and the knowledge of who he is, that births a picture of where he's going. Is part of the reasons why the greatest dependence of Babylon on the boys who went captive was for the prophetic. Oh, because they knew that Zion is always up ahead by reason of its ability to hear from the mind of God. So the, the seed called Zion is driven by its songs, its ability to record the things that God has done and hear the things that God is saying and see where God is going. So what they wanted was to have these boys sing the song of the Lord. Now hear this, verse 4. How shall we sing what? The Lord's song where? 
Listen to me, believers in Nigeria. This country has been sustained because we are singing the Lord's song, but we are singing it in a strange land. And nothing is wrong with singing the Lord's song in a strange land for a season, follow me. But when you sing the Lord's song in a strange land, you must, you must sing it with an oath. Listen, some of these things I cannot say in English. I have to say in spirit. And trust the Lord to interpret it to you. If I say it in English, people will be waiting for me at this door by the end of this service. In fact, yesterday, INEC just confirmed that there's now a law that you cannot talk about politics in churches and mosques. I added a mosque, a mosque right? Because all the years, we have been talking politics in certain quarters. Now, it is important for the church to talk politics in church. So it's also important that we release the force of a rule to bind the speaking of it. We can enter the archives and see where the incitements as far as Nigerian politics is concerned comes from. There are more malams in the north giving directions for elections than there ever has been preachers talking about in what direction the church should go. Because it is absolutely important for 2023 that the church gets a clear direction. It was also important for hell to put a law that stops us from pointing direction. Unfortunately, it comes in a time when the church is grossly unruly, where people believe that their thought is the most supreme, and they cannot subject themselves to higher intelligence even when they know that the people who speak have got a greater place in the holy place than they do. <laughs> Your problem is that you are very wise. Nobody can tell you what to do. Let's replenish Nigeria. Let's replenish. Where we stand as the church of Jesus now looks like a perfect seed. But I know God. I know he's about to break through. Listen, the way he will break through is he will leave a politically correct church and go and sit on the head of people whose head can be mad. And I hope you know that the freedom you did not fight for, the victories of it, you'll be denied. Daddy, wake up. Prof, from the day you hear that they have taken me in Nigeria. Not only pray in Ghana, show up. And I don't understand why everywhere I go, they're asking me to talk about Nigeria these days. They should leave me alone. I'm trying to stay quiet. If I think, I'll just tell Prof, if you give me one place in Ghana until elections are over, I'm going to stay there. I'll be teaching FSOs for you. You can be traveling. <laughs> are you alive? You can tell that we don't say these things from a common place. 
You can't carry scripture and force it to say what you want it to say. You can't. So hear this. Sorry. I need to move a little faster now. I need to move a little faster now. It's time to replenish this nation. But hear this. This is the process. So these boys understand that Babylon wants an operation. And notice, everywhere, every strange land that takes in Zion and permits for the operation of Zion within its context becomes the greatest kingdom on the earth. I come again, I come again, I come again. Every, every, go read throughout history, throughout time, throughout scripture, every nation that takes in Zion. So God sends Joseph as a slave. They bound, they hurt his hands and feet with chains and fetters. But what God was trying to do was he was trying to cause Abraham to tread upon the land of Ham. And by the time Joseph was done, Egypt was the greatest kingdom on earth. This, hey! Oh my God. I, I find a, a story in Zion that is hard to crack. That every time Zion assembles together in Israel, they despise the ways of God. Every time they are scattered abroad into strange lands, the name of their God is exalted. It tells you that there's a possibility to dwell in Zion and be familiar with the God of Zion because you are enjoying the cultures of Zion and then upon it, you want to put your debauchery that services your flesh. And every time we do that, when we come together, we almost feel like we can be, oh, Prophet Adam said something that blessed me today. Church is recharged, not show. We have too many territories to take outside. Don't. So every time we come to church, there's, there's noise, there's jostling, there's, everybody wants to prove there's something I know, something I can hold on to. Somebody should give me the microphone someday. I want to say something. And the places where you're supposed to speak, you are mute. It's the story of Zion. Every time we come together, every time, because of the culture called love. Listen, ah, there's something Prophet Tommy has been teaching lately. It has been exciting. God's concept of love is not romance, it's honor. So we must learn how to throw honor one at another. What we want, when they say there's no love in this church, what they mean is I don't feel good when I'm around people in this church. That's part of the reasons why people leave when you correct their error. The reason is because they don't honor, they don't honor structure. Now, members correct pastors. I want to enter somewhere. Listen, hear this. In God's order, the pastor is shepherd over you. You need to, you need to be careful around your pastors. Be careful. Be careful. Listen, my recommendation every time, Prof, is that every pastor should set an order around his life that his people know. So that if they have an issue, go to the order he has set around his life that is in the office to fix him. Don't make a habit of walking up to a pastor and correcting him. You are reducing the span of your life. It's part of the reasons why a few freezers are in town. 
And part of their, their spiritual assignment is to make you look every time at the office that God ordained with this day. Watch it. Oh, you didn't hear it? I said there are a few freezers in town. No, that's why I said freezers. They're in plural. Some people are only coming to the realization. Right? Don't, don't get used to it. Don't commonize. I'm telling you how Zion lost their inheritance. The God of Zion became it's part of the reasons why in the cultures that Moses taught them, he taught them to consistently bless the name of the Lord when they call him. So you cannot hear an Israeli say, the Lord and God. He has to stop and say, blessed be his name. That's a custom Islam has taught. That's where they borrowed it from. It's Jewish. So when you hear a Muslim saying, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the idea is to learn to exalt the name so that you don't commonize him. Because we say Jesus so many times that I've been anti-protocol all of my life. Everybody who knows me from when I was a I've been anti-protocol all of my life. Well, hear this. I'm beginning to realize that for the sake of the mind of some people, not, not for our sake, people who know me know that for 25 years of ministry life, I have enjoyed flocking around the people. I love the people. But I woke up sometime recently and I realized that I wasn't doing many people well because what it was doing was, was making common what was supposed to be sacred. So when I don't speak, he just go, wow, Pastor Chi talk. I just like it when he talks. Die your mouth with tears. Tell the simple reason why. You heard things you should fear. You heard things you should go home and meditate on. You heard things that should have never lost your sight until you caught it as an inheritance. You heard things. But the moment you add familiarity to it, you lose it. The moment... It then means that there's a walking in truth that makes that for your own sake, we might have to hide from you a little just so that this morning I was hearing scripture people and I heard how Herod feared John the Baptist. The fear of John the Baptist was in the heart of Herod. The only reason why Herod could kill John was that he had an oath. So a few weeks later, when the story of Jesus hit his table, and he heard the mighty things that Jesus was doing, Herod told them, he swore to everybody, it is John! That's risen from the dead. That's how the unbelieving fear a prophet of God. When you come around the believing, hey, I didn't come to preach prophets today. Why am I here? I'm gone. I'm gone. Come around the believing. Because of our, so our concept of love now became, let's feel good. 
rather than let us honor. So I found out that the fear of the Lord is in love. Please hear this. This was never about prophets. So let me take it back to its context. Listen. Have you realized, excuse me, let me, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in trouble and you're asking, why are the mighty stories I am hearing in scripture not happening in my life? And come on, come on, Christian. Why are the mighty stories I have read in scripture? I seem to have read, read so many mighty things out of scripture. And I'm thinking that these things should just become manifest in my life. I should call upon God and he'll answer. And you're wondering, how come it is not happening in my life? Let me tell you, a great percentage of it, there is a part of it that has to do with your times and your seasons. We can't talk about that. Sometimes God is dealing patience and all of that, all of that. But I figured out recently that a greater percentage of it comes because in the day when your word came, you did not have the requisite fear or not for the word. You heard prophets say, faith expires. When you honor him, it is the honor you have for a word that takes you back to listen to it again. So even if you took note, if you never returned to check it, it means you added it to the archives of the common words you heard. It can never work for you in the day of adversity. So there are words that you hear. Listen, while Prof was speaking today, I didn't take note of everything. I took note of certain things. And I know that the next three, four, five, six days of my study and meditation will have to sit around it. I'll marinate it, brood it, brood it, brood it. Then more light will come out of it. It, it. And the more the light comes out, the more I'm following it. In the day when that word is required, it will have become my word. we we'll become a generation that's very playful and it's the story of Israel. Let me get back to my teaching. The story of Israel. So they commonize divine things and make excuses. Jesus said to them, you have made the word of God of non-effect by your traditions. And the moment you add traditions and familiarities around the cultures of scripture, what happens is that they lose effect in your life. So in the day you are standing to speak it, there's no requisite power supporting it. Please follow me. So Israel enters into Babylon. When they arrive in Babylon, they are caught in this captivity. But God was depending on a few boys to realize that he is not captive. There was a scene of Israel and their familiarity with the things that are divine that has caused that God gave them over. And it was in giving them over that God had to permit a strange king to tread his temples and his palaces. Oh, I feel the need to give you one other proof. Do you remember the day after God taught Nebuchadnezzar a lesson? His son, Belshazzar, became king. And after everything his father went through, when Belshazzar became king, he remembered one day that they had the golden cups from the temple in Jerusalem. Then out of the madness of his head, he said they should go and bring it, that he wants to use it to drink. And did you notice that that's how Belshazzar doesn't have sense. So when he took over the throne that his father lost, people like, that was the only reign that Daniel was not in the king's palace. It was in the courts. It was the day he drank. Then the hand of the God who was not conquered showed up. You put 
I know in your Bible you believe that he came and was right on the wall. <laughs> the hand slapped him first. Ah! Because have you not noticed that he was the only one who saw the direction the hand was going? No, the hand has to call your attention first. So the hand, bah! Then he did not see a human being, he just saw the hand. Then the hand walked to the wall and wrote, the Bible said that his knees were quaking. They were hitting each other while he was on the table. Only God knows the kind of internal deposits that he excreted. Because a man thought, listen, there is no throne. I have studied scripture. There is no throne that it takes God 10 years to overcome. It's your democratic context that makes you think that God is waiting for 2023. If God decides to change rulership tonight, there's nothing anybody can do about it. And God can change rulership and refuse the vice president the seat. I said it because of your democratic context. Your democratic context will think if God wants to change relationship tonight, then the president can die tonight. Yeah, we know that the president can die. No, God can show up and change the context in which politics is done in the nation. And he can do it in one night. Understand it. So when I expect God, if we talk about 2023, it's because we have heard God. Not because we live within a democratic setting in our minds. Ah, so after next election, hey, another eight years, oh God. It's a lack of study. When you study God, you know, he can sit over a nation. He slapped the boy that night. They got up and promised. Ah, I bet they go. They got up and promised. He said, I will give anybody who gives me the interpretation up to half of my kingdom. Did you notice that when Daniel showed up, the first thing Daniel said to him is keep your kingdom. I don't want it. It's not a person that is alive that can share his kingdom. In that story, that night, Belshazzar died. That night. You have to have a kingdom to share it. Now give me incentive you don't have. I'm looking at you and your kingdom has been taken from you. It's been torn between the Medes and the Persians. So hear this. Israel sits by the river of Babylon. But some boys had an old. And their old is Jerusalem. If I forget you, let my tongue clip to the roof of my mouth. Let my right hand forget her skill. Now, within the natural context of a song, you need your right hand to play every music instrument and you need your tongue to sing. So within that context, what he was saying is let the supply of God dry up from me. If what I do within the context of the system called Babylon, hear this carefully, then I'll run quickly to the end of my message. If what I do within the context of the system called Babylon is not looking for the day when God will sit as king, over the system. If you got that, I can close. Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. Let my right hand forget her skill if I do not remember you. Meaning, 
while I am serving Babylon, while I'm playing the harp and singing the song, while I'm releasing of the prophetic words that are establishing Babylon, if the target in my eyes is not to see the day when God sits as king over the systems of the earth, then let the supply of the spirit dry up from within me. Have you noticed that that's why after Daniel had prospered in the reign of four kings, when the 70 years prophesied by Jeremiah was over, the Bible said, Daniel said, and I set my face to seek the Lord. Why? If there was anybody who needed to seek the Lord, it was not Daniel. Babylon had been good to Daniel. Daniel's song should have been, God is good to me. And if you study the story, in the day of the return, Daniel did not return. The reason is because Daniel had now been castrated and he had become a eunuch and it was an abomination among the people of God. And so in the season of the return, that means even if God breaks through now, there's no going back for me. I don't have a portion in it. And yet, when the seasons of the prophecy were over, the pressure to see Israel return to Jerusalem and establish the kingship of God made that Daniel denied himself for 21 days and waited upon the Lord. Listen, how you know, hear this, how you know that your pursuit is the pursuit of the kingdom is that you will prefer the kingdom to your personal advantage. The present argument in the church of Jesus concerning 2023 is majorly laced around personal advantages. The day you deliver yourself from sentiments, you will see light. You will see it. Am I speaking to Nigeria? Hey. Nigeria. I beloved country working together is the key. Nigeria, I beloved country, our future is you and me. If a veil doesn't leave your eyes, you will pursue courses around advantages and you'll be raising a system against the God of Zion. Let me tell you what is painful about the Nigerian story. What is painful is that the sentiments that are dividing us will not end up even giving us advantages. So poverty does not know your language. Pain does not know your tribe. I wish it was even a country where when they are eating in the center, they now remember their region and develop the region. See, all of us will just be angry and say, when my region reaches there, we can wait another 48 years for your region to reach there. Then when people reach, then you know it's your turn to eat. Unfortunately, the people who are playing upon your sentiments don't have you in mind. Ah! Yesterday, I was come back from water. And 
and I said to the person driving, so there are people in this Nigeria that people are thinking of going out to vote for. Can I go? I can now go. One more revelation, I'm out of here. You're already tired of me, it's showing your eyes. My assignment is very simple. See, whatever is divine that you cannot play out in your everyday life is almost a waste to you. So when do we want to raise a church that is insistent on, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing now? Where should I stand now? What should I say now? What should I represent now? What cause should I pursue now? Yes. So, please give me back my Jeremiah 33 on the board. So you notice that at the end of Daniel's life, even though there wasn't going to be any personal profit for him in the liberty of Israel, he turned his face towards Jerusalem and cried for 21 days until the Lord brought him answers as to how Israel would be free. Listen, how you know, you see, oh my God, I have to teach this. Can you please forgive me for the next five minutes? Have you read Matthew chapter 6, spoke to you about not, not being concerned about your life, right? And Luke chapter 12 also spoke about the same thing. What you will eat, what you will drink, and where you shall be clothed. Did you notice that the Lord Jesus said, for after these things to the Gentile sick, Right? Did you notice? Now hear this, hear this very carefully because it's going to help you. All of my life, I thought that Jesus was saying, you cannot be seeking what the Gentiles are seeking, right? Which is actually part of what he's saying. But what he was saying was far deeper than that. What he was actually saying is that this system that the Gentiles seek is what gives the prince of the power of the air the right to rule over the Gentiles. And if you permit that spirit to walk in you, which is a spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience, you are now aligned to the world so you cannot claim a different air over you than the same air that governs the world. That's why you enjoy what they enjoy and you are subject to what they are subject to. That's why when the economies of the earth change, it affects you. Attack it. So when Jesus said, after these things to the Gentile seek, but you seek the kingdom and seek its righteousness and these things that they seek, you will find were waiting for you in the package. What Jesus was saying is that every time Satan can put the pressure of survival in the heart of a man, the prince of the power of the air controls the man. So in the day when Daniel sought the Lord and Michael... Gabriel was coming with the answer and then the prince of Persia withstood him. Do you remember that story? I just didn't talk about it, right? And then Michael came and fought with the prince of Persia. Now, I hope you know that spiritual warfare is not knives and swords. Spiritual warfare is words. So, Michael came, rebuked, but let me tell you what the argument is. So, the argument of the prince of Persia is that he lives in my territory. The argument of Michael is the Lord rebukes you. Look at the record of Daniel's life. Your territory.
authority and the way people live never governed him. That means that even though he lived in Babylon, he was not of Babylon, so he has become a new entity. We have created a new entity on the earth. The name of the entity is Daniel. So Daniel became a geographical territory in the records in the spirit. So Daniel now had the right to govern his own territory. That's what scripture was teaching you when he said you are in the world, but you are not of the world. So if what moves the world moves you, you come under the control of the prince of the power of the air, the, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. So hear this, your redemption is not in contention, but the control of your life leaves the hand of your redeemer into the hand of a strange God. Lagos, leave the hustle. Let's pursue the kingdom. Lagos, leave the hustle. You will prosper more pursuing the kingdom. And you will prosper from rest pursuing the kingdom. Part of the reasons why I know that you are still struggling is that you did not show up on Friday and Saturday. It's part, it's part of the reasons why no. Because when you arrive at rest, you will know, you will know for the things that make for your salvation. You will pursue those things like your life depends on it. You will come out knowing I cannot lose anything. Listen, the best way to understand kingdom in the natural is go and study Islam. These people are not taking territory for nothing. You, the guy is standing in front of a 1.5 billion naira deal. He hears Allah. The moment he's hearing it, he tells you, excuse me, I'm going to pray. I will walk away. I'm going to pray. And guess what? By reason of their consistent creation of culture, those of us who are Christians have learned to wait in front of that door for that 10 minutes. Until they are done praying. But you, you can't stop a conversation and say, My covenant time with the Lord is now. Oh, see how Qatar is teaching the world a lesson. Oh, Qatar, God bless Qatar. And I'm not joking. Father, bless. If you know how much of the fight against madness, this one week has helped to conquer. God sat upon the darkness of that thing to tell the world that there are still nations who are in charge of their territory. England is still arguing whether they're a Christian nation or not. They are arguing until a guy finishes his first speech as prime minister, turns to the front of 10 Downing Street, and owns his Hindu candles and walks inside. And you, you got to be cool about your own Christianity. They should not know. They, they can't ask you to sit in a contract meeting at church time and you say to them, I'm sorry, I'm going to be praying then.
I need to hide on that one. I know what's happening in your mind. Yeah. When I sign the deal, if I give God a tight. Lagos. Do you still love me? Sorry, I, I got to run this very quickly. So, Nigeria, we are at the threshold of a breakthrough. And I told you on Friday, this breakthrough is not going to be our redemption. It's going to be our relief. And the relief in God's agenda is to create an environment where the breakthrough can now work. But hear this. And the environment is the calling of the church to go to work in producing princes and shepherds. If not, the relief will be short-lived. And when that demon returns, you come back with seven spirits more wicked. But listen to this. I'll put this in perspective and I'll lead us to pray. Hear this. So every time God's cause leaves a place, heaven considers the place desolate. Every time God's cause rests in a place, heaven considers the place fruitful. And if you're here on Friday, one of the things I said very clearly on Friday, hear this carefully, one of the things that I said clearly on Friday is the fact that the order in which God spoke was not actually scattered, it was actually ordered. Be fruitful, multiply. So when God wants to bless man to take dominion, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and replenish it. Then subdue it, then have dominion, right? Now, so listen to me very carefully. Once God leaves a territory, even if the thing still exists, the thing is called desolate. Read Jeremiah 3 with me. Let's go the rest of the way. I will, I will do my best not to stop until I get to where I'm going to. All right. Behold. Now, what do we stop? Verse 8. And I'll cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me, and I'll pardon all their iniquity that they have seen, whereby they have transgressed against me. Right? Verse 9. And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them, and they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for the prosperity that I procure unto it. Thus saith the Lord, again, hear this, again there shall be heard in this place which you say shall be desolate without man and without beast, even in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without man and without inhabitant and without beast. Stop. Stop. When you go, I, I have counseled you to read Jeremiah chapter 4 where Prof um, had quoted earlier, right? If you read Jeremiah chapter 4, you will find out that without man, without beast, without inhabitant is actually God's delineation for desolation. Alright? So God said, and it shall come to pass, that you will hear in this place. That means wherever you hear these sounds, desert places are about to turn to fruitful fields. I come again. So when a desolate place is about to be re-inhabited, there are certain sounds that you hear. Right? Next verse. What are the sounds you will hear? You will hear the voice of joy and the voice of gladness. 
Then you will hear the voice of the bridegroom and you will hear the voice of the bride. Then you will hear the voice of them that shall say, Praise the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Then you will also hear the voice of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. He said, For I will cause to return the captivity of the Lord as at the first, said the Lord. Now, because I don't have time, and I'll take you to Haggai chapter 2 to show you that the return of the captivity of Israel was actually supposed to be a, an Old Testament picture of the day when the kingdom shall return to the church. Are you following me? If you are looking for the prophetic type, the prophetic type of your redemption is the day Israel left Egypt. But a prophetic type of the establishment of the kingdom. That's why it was at that point of the return that Haggai said that the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord. So the prophetic type of the day when the kingdom shall return to the people of the saints is actually revealed in Israel's returning back from the captivity. Are you getting me so far? Come on, come on. Are you getting me so far? Now, I'm going to read a scripture for you. And the scripture is going to tell you what sounds you will hear or what sounds you will no more hear when Babylon falls. See Revelation 18. Go with me. Give me a few more minutes and I'm out of your faces. I just need you to understand this one. Revelation 18. Ah, give it to me from if you read from the beginning you'll find out that the Bible spoke about Babylon and its merchandise and all of that just like it spoke about Lucifer alright but from verse 21 1821 and a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea saying thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. Next verse. Look at this. And the voice of harpers and musicians and pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in Babylon. And no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found anymore in Babylon. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more in Babylon. Next verse. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. In Babylon. Oh, I hope you know that the light of the candle is the light that illuminates the soul. That means the innovations of Babylon will die. But this is where I'll take you to. And the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride shall be no more heard at all in thee. For thy merchants were in the were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Did you notice that when Jerusalem is restored, there will be heard in her the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. Huh. And then when Babylon falls, there'll no more be heard in her the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. What is the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride? It is the release of life from a husband to a wife. 
There are no children in the hall, aka sex. And you know that in the natural, that's the process of multiplication. Listen, that means whatever has the power to transfer life and multiply will possess the earth. So for God to cause a rehabilitation on the earth, he now has to raise a solid process. Hear this very carefully. And you will know where I'm going to in a moment. A process of the shout of the transfer of life from the bridegroom to his bride and her ability to incubate that life and birth it is what moves us from fruitful to multiply. Ah, that simply means that if Satan wants to stop the church from dominating in any generation, the church is a bride. Oh, somebody just heard it. She has her bridegroom. If the intercourse stops happening, multiplication stops happening. And when multiplication stops happening, desolation happens. And when desolation happens, strangers will have to dwell in your palaces. So hear this carefully. It means we have to deliver the church from romance and bring her to the place. Ah, the 21st century church will understand this. And bring her to the place where she's willing to incubate. She must conceive. Ah! It's a great city to make this illustration. So many people know what we call birth control. And birth control is always centered around personal agenda. So we are, it's called Planned Parenthood. We are married now, but looking at the seasons of my life, I'm not ready for the responsibility of multiplication. So whatever we do, we must avoid the seed passing through. Or else, if it passes through, I have to find a way to kill it. So the Lord Jesus confronts Israel in his day and he said, this is the problem with dead religion. It gives you all of the feeling and the excitement. It puts the Lord on your lips, but it takes him far away from your heart. So that Paul said that what Satan will do in that day is he will master the craft of leaving you with a form of godliness so that you and God are romancing, but the power of it that has the ability to impregnate you and give life will be taken. So when a church becomes desolate, check the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. Because as long as intercourse keeps happening and divine ideas keep sitting and we exert our energy to seeking those ideas, that's the kingdom. So when the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom, what it means is, take that which is in heaven, make it your focus. Since you have been risen with Christ, Colossians 3.1, set your heart on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, then it says, set your affection 
on things above and not on earthly things. It's part of the reasons why Satan will have us come into a Sunday service, feel a little, feel good, and have a little refreshing enough to deal with the depression of work for one week. And then we return to work and do our thing and come back the next Saturday and lift up our hands. What's happening is that incubation is not happening. And the absence of incubation is what is responsible for desolation. So, you have a church that is not willing to multiply because together with multiplication is great responsibility. And Babylon, you are hearing the shouts every night coming out of Babylon. The bridegroom who is a demonic spirit and his brides are intercoursing night and day and birthing new ideas that are making things that were absurd 10 years ago acceptable now on the streets. <sighs> Intercourse is happening and people are sitting down around tables and telling themselves, if we dominate this space and dominate this space, we can change the way a nation is cultured until a nation arrives at accepting a boy dressed like a girl with makeup on his face and he tells you that's how I feel on the inside. Somebody conceived that idea. That idea did not come naturally with him. While that is happening, you have a church that is still concerned about what we shall eat or shall drink and wherewithal we shall be clothed. And with every service you come to, there is some expectation in your heart of something God will do for you. There's some job you want to get, some healing you want for your body, some better life, some. Some, Lord, I'm tired of this house. That one in VI, I want to move to Ikoi. Are you following me? And there's almost always a weight in your heart so that every time you enter there's no way sex can be about the bride and end up with concession. Every time there's a conception, the release comes from the bridegroom. If we don't birth a church that comes expecting instruction, not just deliverance, If we don't birth that church, our days of desolation will be many. But the day we birth a church, I say, Lord, here I am. Pour into me. Let the, listen, these things are measurable. Can I close on that? Measurable. You can measure it. Sars and mass, I put it to you. That where your affection is, is where your treasure is, is the kingdom you are servicing. So whatever has the ability to take a hold of your mind and sit 
and never leave is the kingdom you service. So hear this. Some people enter a boutique and see a shoe and the pressure of owning it sits in your heart. And even after you have rejected it twice, you had to find a way to go back there. That's valid prayer time you are wasting. You should have bought the shoe on the first day so that you can uncumber the space. Oh my God. I, I wish you heard me. God doesn't have a problem with you having the shoe. If the shoe wants to be a distraction, buy it. If you cannot buy it, lay that burden upon the Lord. But keep that your heart space as sacred. It's a birthing place for the ideas of Jesus. That's why you cannot allow any pressure to sit upon your heart for any long. The reason why you cannot sustain prayer burden is that you have sustained burden for too many mundane things. Listen, can I give you a few advice? The ladies are going to hate me now, but can I, give, can I give you a few advices? Stand in front of a mirror and determine your best look. Create a system for your best look and wear it every day. You, don't, you didn't get it. I'll come here. So there's this particular wig you believe that the day you wear it, you are your best. And these are the kind of clothes that when I wear, I feel comfortable with. Clear your wardrobe. Especially if God has blessed you enough to buy those kind of things. Buy it. Fold it. Stack it up. You can label the days. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Do you understand it? Arrange the hair. I like this hair. I like it with my hair. I have a daughter. Since I, since I started pastoring her in 2007. 2000, no, 2005. Since I started pastoring her in 2005. She carries the same kind of hair. She carries it with so much confidence. Her hair is always full and bulky. Hey, T.Y. is not in church. Are you following me? Listen. Look at that person in the mirror. Accept that person. Then appreciate every other thing you see on the road. Thank you. Keep the look. You know why? Every time you exert yourself at that level is valid kingdom space you are eating. The problem is not just the space. It is that you are acquainting the pressure and pleasures of your heart to receive that because the mind is exercised. Oh, Romans chapter 8. Do not mind the things of this world, but mind the things that are divine. Now, whatever you set your mind and affection on, your heart space begins to accept as the only thing that should burden you. So if your heart space is getting consistent fashion impulses, you will find out that the only burden you can sustain is fashion. Some people proudly write, I'm a foodie. Let me help your life. Unfoodify yourself. Determine where you, what you like eating and where they sell it. Who makes it well? Pay them to make it for a month. In fact, Sometimes what you want to actually do is pay them to make it plenty so that you can eat it until you are drunk. Because when you get drunk of it, you suddenly realize that... John Sandy, we're inside Radisson. I wanted to tell you a story. The first day I took this ice cream here, this is Hans and Rene. I hope the owner is not here. 
I mean, the first day I took it, I just felt like, man, heaven came down and glory filled my soul. No, it's a, it's a normal process of life. I mean, it was heaven came down. Second time, great. Third time, great. So every time I came to Lagos, somehow, somewhere, Hans and Renee was in the plan. It's called the law of diminishing return. The last time I came and I took it, I said vanity upon vanity. <laughs> Pimo has been trying to tell me the owner is here. Please find new flavors. Maosa, whoever you are. Are you following me? Now, I, I was just trying to, yesterday we came down because I had ministry somewhere in Ottawa, and then I came back and we were tired and I rested. And when I came down, you know, they were just trying to close. And my wife said, she's, she's still in Harem. You know, I come to Lagos more often. Oh, you didn't get it. We have reached, she has not arrived. So, so we came down, it was past nine, and they were closing up. I mean, because of this answer, Renee, I started staying in Radisson. If I tell you my class in Radisson now, you'll not believe it. Uncumber your mind space. Uncumber your mind space. Listen, God is not against your pleasures. He's against the pressure it exerts upon your soul because it is culturing your soul to leave the taste of the kingdom. If it's children that's your problem, sit down with God. Determine the next 30 years. Primary school to enter, secondary school, university, all of that. Then set a system. Let the system be running while you are focused. I believe that, hear me very carefully, the only thing that requires consistent, steady attention is kingdom purpose. Systems are many times given to you by God as a great gift to uncumber the things that your father knows that you have need of. He knows you have need of them. He knows you desire them. Paul said all things are beneficial, but I will not be brought under the control of anything. I must say this before I sit down. We are losing kingdom time and space. You don't know how painful it is. Even our sermons are full of the things that are making us lose space. If incubation does not happen, desolation is in unavoidable. Babylon is incubating. The only way we can silence and swallow Babylon, I wanted to read First John five, and there's no time. People, maybe next world conference, we should sit down one chair and teach for eleven hours. Telling you, it's appetite, appetite, yeah, appetite. I met Paimiko at the airport on Friday, on, Thursday, on Friday. And Paimiko said to me, you know, you know the Lord just changed my message. He said, he told me to take the people back to the cross. So on our 10th anniversary, a 20th anniversary of our ministry, we did not do any special anniversaries. He said, I just called the younger generation and I was teaching them the way to the cross. Then he tapped me. I said, you, you know what? I taught them for five hours. He said it with such excitement. Me too, I was excited for him. Because at least we are seeing a generation again 
that can sit down for five hours and take instruction. I've been in that process for a long time. I'm just happy that people are catching up. People are catching up. No, it's, it's normal in you know, my church. If it's my church, I'm just introducing this message. Do I still have like an hour and a half to go? Those of you who watch me online, you know now. Two and a half hours, three hours. That's, that's Sunday teaching. So people are asking me, how do you raise this quality of men? It's quality time. They are not a different kind of human beings. It's the atmosphere they sit under. Saints. Onkumba, onkumba. Onkumba. Release. Don't wake up every day. And then pastor, if I get up to preach, I just see the way she catches her hair on two sides. Just in man. What kind of hair is that? Who cut it for her? Huh? Hey. No, enter a skin you are comfortable with. Wake up, look at yourself in the mirror, accept that person, then free your mind space. Because God wants to impregnate you, but the space has been taken. And so Satan is you, the cares of this world, just what we shall eat, who shall drink, what we shall wear. And then he sits over your life and controls it. So the moment they say to you, you're about to lose your job, the fear that comes out of you tells us that your entire life is in that job. You have not even understood that you were there for an assignment. Simi was saying it when she was leading her song. It was supposed to be all about the kingdom. If I picked the job, the first thing to think is what is my assignment here? The focus must be on the assignment. I don't know how long it will take for a generation to hear it. The day it hears it, closing statement or statements. You, you need to understand. Huh? I just saw hands and Rene. Listen. Closing statement or statements. The day we arrive at that place, you will suddenly realize that everything Babylon is birthing can never stand beside what Zion births. Meaning, Babylon exists because Zion sat back. The day you stand up for Jesus in that space, the entire attention will turn in your direction. I saw FIFA president arguing on Qatar's behalf. I thought, this is possible in this earth concerning this matter. I realized Qatar is not Zion. I'm just telling you that a, a far more inferior idea than Zion stood up, compelled the attention of the world. But the ones who Jesus called the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hid, have forced layers of obscurity over ourselves and will only focus on the things that subdue us to the prince of the power of the air. Why don't we just unveil? Then stand up. The moment you stand up, the darkness is gone. Yes. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. 
Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.